And uh, I want to talk about the topic of freedom um, with you today and start by telling a story. And I guess many of you might have had a, a family pet growing up. In our family, we always had um, border collie dogs, um, the lovely black and white ones that run for miles and they're obsessed with chasing sheep. And uh, first we had Lynn and then we had Jess. And then completely out of the blue one day, um, my dad brought home Bob. And it, it was a complete surprise, but there was a good reason for it. Um, during the first few years of his life, um, Bob's elderly owner had become increasingly housebound. And uh, so instead of going out on nice long walks, um, he'd been chained up in a dark garage. It's very sad. And my dad found Bob in this situation after visiting the owner. And they agreed straight away that it would be better if Bob just came and lived at our house instead. Um, so I was around 12 when Bob arrived. And I quickly realized there was something not quite sort of right about him because Bob would sit in our bike shed with his nose just facing the corner of a wall. And uh, although Bob had been freed from his old life, he was still really kind of affected by it. And so after school each day, um, I would go into the bike shed and I'd try and coax Bob out of his corner and I'd feed him treats and biscuits and stuff. And slowly, um, Bob's trust in me kind of grew and his behavior began to change. And after a couple of weeks and many packets of biscuits later, he came out of his corner altogether. But Bob's progress was, was slow in other ways. If he ever saw an open door or a gate, he would just make a dash for it, um, probably because he thought he was just going to be chained up again. And um, one day he got through and he was found heading into central London about three or four miles away. And miraculously, he was found and brought back to us. Um, and over time, really, Bob realized that this new home was different. Um, he wasn't going to be chained up anymore. And so finally, he just stopped running away, and he became the great family pet that he was always destined to be. And he was freed from his old life that day that my dad rescued him, but he was also freed for a new life. And our hearts, they connect with stories of freedom like this, don't they? I'm sure many of us followed the, the news coverage of the, the 12 boys and their football coach who got stuck in the cave in Thailand for more than two weeks underground. And I don't know you, about you, but I couldn't stop checking the BBC to find out the latest. And it felt like the whole world celebrated when they were found and they were brought out safely one by one. Although it was so sad that one of the, one of the guys doing the rescue operation did lose his life in that. And this topic of freedom is what I want to talk about today. And for many of you, the word freedom might have a, a personal significance. Perhaps there's an area in your life where you're longing for freedom. It could be emotional freedom, maybe, or spiritual freedom, even. Or it could be freedom to change a behavior pattern or lifestyle or a way of thinking. It could just be freedom to say no to that open bag of Cadbury's chocolate buttons. And that is a big one for me. Or it might be that you're new here and exploring faith. And part of your journey is to see if God could actually bring freedom into your life in a tangible way. And if that's you, I'm just so thrilled that you're here. And I hope you do experience that freedom um, somehow um, during your time here. And um, Jesus, he talked about freedom a lot too. At the beginning of his, of his public life, Jesus described his purpose in terms of bringing freedom to people. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And in the four Gospels, the books in the Bible about Jesus' life, there are lots of eyewitness accounts of Jesus bringing extraordinary freedom in all sorts of ways. He releases people from oppressive spirits. He heals people bound by sickness. He champions people that are trapped in poverty. And he confronts systems that control and oppress. But there's one, one story about Jesus bringing freedom that I really want us to focus on together today. It's from John's Gospel, chapter 8, starting in verse 1. So if you've got a Bible or a device, um, you might like to turn to it to follow along. Um, at our Easter service in April, Ben and Sash um, performed a sort of creative retelling of this story, which I found really powerful. So instead of me reading it out, I thought we could watch the, the video that the media team recorded instead. John, chapter 8. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. This is my story of life and death. I was just a girl, like any other girl. I made some mistakes and they caught up with me. I've been dragged to the temple court. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees were angry. I could see the hate in their faces. The fear was overwhelming. I was going to be stoned to death. That was what they did then. I knew, I knew that I'd been playing with fire, but I just, I never thought. There was this man there, Jesus, who they brought me to. I'd heard stories about him. The people loved him, but the religious leaders didn't. They stood me in front of him and started to ask him questions. My life was in his hands. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. I watched his finger drawing in the sand while waves of guilt and humiliation rushed through my body. My heart was racing. I'd heard that he was kind, that he, that he cared for people, that he helped and healed people, that he was different, but my life hung in the balance. I felt so exposed, so ashamed. And then he spoke. I'd never heard anyone speak that way before, but I will never forget what it was that he said. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Those words saved my life, and they changed everything. I held my breath, waiting for the first rocket to hit me, bracing myself for the pain. Eyes tight shut, fists clenched, arms held over my head, just waiting and waiting any moment now, waiting for the first rock to hit me. 
He said to them, let anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. But the rocks never came. I opened my eyes and it was just me and Jesus. I couldn't believe it. Everything changed in that moment. I couldn't contain my emotion. The tears, but, but not of fear, but relief. Not of despair, but joy. The darkness had lifted and light shone through. There was hope. Only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Yeah, amazing. What a great job. What a great job Ben and Sash did there. And do check it out on the website if you want to watch that again. But where does freedom fit into that story? I want us to think about it in two ways today. Freedom from and freedom for. So let's look in more detail at freedom from. Jesus brings the woman caught in adultery freedom from her guilt, from her accusers, and from her past mistakes. As Debbie said, every week I go out into Nottingham City Centre with a few other guys and we, we just simply talk to people about Jesus. I understand that for many people that sounds like perhaps their worst nightmare. And I still do get a bit nervous every time I do this, but I love the conversations I get into with people, um, all sorts of people in our city. And one of the questions that I often ask people is this. If you had a, a bag on your back and it was just filled with all the things you, you've done wrong or all of your sins, would it be heavy? And I think I've asked hundreds of people this question now. And I reckon over 95% say something like, it would be really heavy, or I'd be on the floor on my back, or I'd need two bags to carry, um, those kind of things. And whenever I, I hear a response like that, I always say, oh, you must be a really, really bad person. No, only joking, I never say that. <laughs> of course I don't say that. Um, I actually say, no, I would be this, exactly in the same boat as you, with a bag on my back too, that would be really heavy. And the woman in the story has her own bag, doesn't she? And it's just been made a whole lot heavier. She's committed one of those really obvious sins and is found out in the most shocking way. Adultery was one of the sins listed in the Ten Commandments. You know the ones, um, do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. And in the Jewish culture at the time, uh, the penalty for, for breaking that commandment could, could be death. But the story takes an interesting turn. At the point the woman is exposed and facing her penalty, she's brought to Jesus by the religious leaders and authorities of the day. And we learn from verse 6 in the story, they have their own reasons for doing this. They really want to undermine Jesus by tricking him. You see, Jesus had been growing in popularity among ordinary people. But the Pharisees, the religious authorities, they were, they were jealous of him. 
his, his growing influence perhaps felt like a threat to them. And here was a perfect opportunity to trap him. They knew Jesus taught radical forgiveness and loved people who were judged as sinners. But the woman had broken one of God's Ten Commandments. As a good Jewish rabbi, Jesus needed to respect God's holy law. He needed to pronounce the death penalty. And if he doesn't, they'll have a reason to accuse him and undermine him as a false teacher. So the scene is set. The guilty woman, the Pharisees and teachers of the law, full of judgment and trickery, and the onlookers and bystanders forming a crowd. And Jesus is, is in the center of it all. And all eyes are fixed on him. And the question that hangs in the air is, what on earth is he going to do? But before we carry on, perhaps um, I could ask another question. Don't we all in some way find ourselves in the same position as the woman? If, if sin is doing anything that's outside God's perfect standards, haven't we all in some way fallen short? Of course, some things we do wrong might have far wider consequences, and, and some people perhaps are more aware um, than others of their guilt. But I think everyone in their heart of hearts knows that they have something in the bag. Maybe for you there's an area in your life or a behavior pattern that you, that you know is out of line with how God wants you to live. Perhaps you've, you've fallen out with someone recently because of something you said or you did and, and you know that you're at fault in some way. Perhaps it's a, a pattern of spending money that sort of got a bit out, out of control but you, you can't stop. Uh, perhaps it's a way of speaking about people um, that, that you know makes you feel bad on the inside but you just you, you carry on with um, to, to maybe you know, feel, feel secure or, or be funny. Maybe it's something from your distant past or something, something recent. But these are the kind of things that can trap us. And where can, we, where can we find freedom? For the woman caught in adultery, at her worst moment, at her lowest moment, when, when she's exposed and facing this penalty, her place at the feet of Jesus is the beginning of, of her freedom. He frees her from her, her accusers as they leave one by one. He frees her from her guilt, speaking words of forgiveness, not condemned. He frees her from her penalty, and he saves her. He loves her. Jesus is her freedom from. And I think this, this is a picture um, for, for us too. So if you're feeling trapped by, by guilt or mistake, mistakes you've made, whatever it is for you, Jesus invites you to come to, to him and be set free. And in the, in the chats I have with people out on the streets, as well as the question about the bag, I also often you know, share this news about Jesus with people. And it's amazing to see how they respond. A couple of weeks ago, um, I met a guy called Tom, who's, a, who's a, a chef in town. And as we talked, Tom began to see this, this need he had for Jesus in his own life. And as a way of responding, he just said a prayer with us, inviting Jesus to come into his heart. And since then, he's been along to Trent a few times over the last couple of weeks, just continuing his journey. And he's really enjoyed it. And um, I made sure he was okay with me mentioning him in this story. Um, and I think he's going to come along tonight. And he's got loads of questions, but I really think he's begun the most amazing journey of finding this freedom in Jesus. So Jesus, he's our freedom from. From guilt, from our past mistakes, from our accusers. 
But if you're anything like me, perhaps believing this deep down in your heart is not always straightforward. I remember struggling early on in my journey of following Jesus. I knew I'd asked Jesus into my life, but I sometimes still felt trapped by, by feelings of guilt. And perhaps you can relate to that too. For me, two things really helped me grow in my assurance of, of freedom, and I wanted to just share those with you. Firstly, it's been the experience of just being filled with God's love through the Holy Spirit. And this one can be traced right back to the early Christians. Uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the, one of the early Christian leaders, wrote about it in his letter to the church in Rome. And he put it like this. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And many people um, would be able to point to times in their life when they've experienced this in different ways. For me, this has been a journey of being filled bit by bit rather than as a one-off. But particular moments do, do stand out. I remember a Sunday service um, here a few years ago, and I was sitting somewhere over there, and I was talking to God during the worship time, and saying to him that I just really wanted him to confirm to me um, that he loved me, that he forgave me. I sort of knew it in my head, but I really wanted to, to know it afresh, sort of in my heart too. And as the worship time came to an end, and during the break with the chocolates coming around, the lady sat next to me, who I'd never met before, said, you know, I think I've got a prophetic word for you. And a prophetic word is like an encouraging message a person thinks God has given them for someone else. And she said, excuse me, I feel like God has been speaking to me about you um, just while we've been singing. And he wants to say that he loves you and he forgives you for the mistakes you've made. He wants to say that you won't be perfect and you don't need to be. God loves you and he forgives you. He will never leave you. And it really, it really struck me at the time and I wrote it down um, and it was just the words I needed to hear right at that moment. And I felt the Holy Spirit filling my heart with God's love as I, as I heard um, this woman share these words. And perhaps for you, if you're longing to experience God's love and his Holy Spirit again, or maybe for the first time, then at the end of the service, we'd, we'd love to pray for you. There'd be people who'd love to pray for you for that. And a second thing that's really helped me grow in confidence of, of my freedom is, is this book. Just reading this and understanding this book more has helped me grow in, in, in confidence in my faith. And a few verses on in his letter to the church in Rome, the same guy Paul writes, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I found that my personal experiences and my feelings of God's love, they, they can vary a bit. But the stuff written down in this book is, is, is unchanging. It's a foundation I can rely on, however I'm feeling. And going back to the story of the woman caught in adultery, how can we be sure that Jesus saying to her, you're not condemned, how can we be sure it was effective? How can we know that he had the authority to say that to her? Well, this book, the Bible, tells us that a few years later, Jesus would give up his life on a cross outside Jerusalem. And he did it for her. In that moment, Jesus carried her sins. He carried her brokenness, her shame. He carried her penalty upon himself. So the reason he was able to say with complete authority, you're not condemned, was that his death really did remove her guilt and wash her sins away. 
And it's the same for us. All the things we've done, whether in the past, the present, or even into the future, Jesus died for so that we could be forgiven and set free. Uh, there's, a guy, there's a theologian, um, John Stott, who put it like this. No one is free who's unforgiven. Freedom begins with forgiveness. So that for the last few minutes, we've been looking at this amazing freedom Jesus brings to the woman caught in adultery. And now we're going to focus on what that freedom was for. In verse 11, the story ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, doesn't it? Jesus' last words to the woman are, Go, from now on, sin no more. And you know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you might get slightly confused. And for me, this was one of those moments when I first read this. What did Jesus mean by saying, Go, and from now on, sin no more? Was it like a, like a literal thing he was saying? Like, you've got a new start, but you're on a tightrope now. And if you deviate even the slightest bit, you might fall off. Surely Jesus can't have meant that, can he? So what's going on here? What is the freedom Jesus gives for? Well, the next verse, I think it helps explain it. And it says this. Jesus spoke again to the people. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the freedom Jesus gives is for following him in the light. And I said a prayer asking Jesus into my life when I was about 15. And it was just in the school hall um, with a mate. Um, I was in a band and he, I'd just been asking him over the last few months all about Jesus and his faith. And I think he just got sick of me asking him. And he said, you know, if you want to have Jesus in your life, all you, all you need to do is ask him. So right there and then in the school hall, I asked Jesus and said a simple prayer. And that, that really was the start of an adventure for me that I could have never imagined at the time. And I was on a path where probably, you know, things like popularity and success and, and achievement, they were my, maybe my main concerns. And perhaps my insecurities and fears meant that I was sort of bound by those things as well. I needed them for my sense of identity. And I think in the years that would have followed on from that, that could have shaped my life more and more. And I'm so glad I asked Jesus into my life on that day because since then, he's been helping me find freedom in all sorts of areas from those things and many others. And finding my identity in following him has allowed me to be less focused on myself and more focused on, on him and, and, and his purpose for my life for the sake of, of, of others, really. And it may seem upside down and it may seem topsy-turvy, but it's when I've given my time and my energy for his sake and for the sake of others that I've been most fulfilled. I've even made a few big life decisions I would have never have been able to make on my own without following Jesus. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I changed careers completely. I was working at the time as an architect, and, and now I'm working here at Trent. And I'm not saying this kind of change would be right for everyone, but for me, that was where I felt Jesus was leading me. And it was my sense of identity in him, my security in him, that gave me the freedom to, to be able to make that kind of decision, even though it was mildly terrifying at the time. And for the woman caught in adultery, we don't, we don't get to hear about what happens in, in her future. We can only imagine. But the freedom Jesus had given her was for following him into a new life, an adventure too. It was for walking in the light and no longer in the darkness. 
It was for living a new life for the sake of others where she would really find purpose in following him. And we have a phrase in the vineyard that kind of captures this dynamic, which is, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And remember Bob, our dog, he was released from those chains and darkness in a moment when my dad rescued him. But he had a whole new life to discover in a, in a new house, in a new kingdom with a new master who'd give him treats and biscuits. And for Bob, this was a, a journey and a process. He was freed in an instant, but that was only the beginning of his, of his new life. And this story, it could be told in countless people in the life of, of Trent. Our community is, is full of lives that have been touched by Jesus and are changing. Uh, take Will, for example, who got baptized um, this year, and he put it like this. I immediately felt Jesus calling me personally. And from that moment on, God has been working more and more in my life. He has helped me work through the painful issues in my past, cut the chains of shame, and allowed me to walk in freedom. And our common story is that Jesus has brought us freedom. Freedom from the things that hold us, but also freedom uh, calls us into lives of freedom. And finally, this freedom Jesus has given is for the sake of, of our community, being a certain type of community. Remember the Pharisees who exposed the woman in that story. They acted with judgment and kind of a meanness. But Jesus calls us in exactly the opposite spirit as a, as a community. We're to be like him, a community like him, the body of Christ. And we're called to accept others just as Jesus accepted us. We're to be a safe place where people can bring even their failures and burdens and brokenness out into the light and find healing and forgiveness. And we're to be a loving family where it's okay not to be okay. And we're called to express our freedom not by judging or condemning, but pointing people to Jesus where they can find that grace and that forgiveness too. And for each of us here today, the outworking of that freedom will look different. You might be a new Christian here, and perhaps you've just discovered what Jesus bringing freedom and forgiveness to your life looks like. And if, you, if that's you, that's amazing. But I'd, lo I'd love to say the journey doesn't end there. Jesus is calling you into an amazing adventure. For others, you might have been following Jesus for a longer time, but there are, there are things perhaps that you're still struggling with that just don't seem to be changing. And when I've had times like that, the temptation has perhaps been to feel distant from God, to maybe try and balance the books and, and try and be especially good. But the thing that's really helped me in that journey is to come back to Jesus time and time again and hear him say, I don't condemn you. Go on again, go on again and leave your life of sin. It sounds like there might be a tension between those two things. You know, the first one, I don't condemn you, and the second one, go and leave your life of sin. But I found that not condemned, that's like my foundation, that's like my identity, my safe place. And that's the launching pad for me to walk into the freedom Jesus is calling me to. And John Wimber, the, the founder of the Vineyard Church, he said, the way in is the way on. And I think it captures this. The forgiveness and grace we find at the beginning of our journey with Jesus is the strength and the power we need to, to continue. The way in is the way on. 
So Jesus calls us with radical grace. He loves us so much. But he also calls us into radical discipleship, into a journey we could never imagine. And for others, perhaps you're already really confident in this freedom you have in Jesus. And perhaps for you, it's working out how you can share that with your friends, with your neighbors, with your work colleagues. Perhaps even you'd consider coming out on the streets with us and, 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 and learning to do it out on the streets too. And if that's you, I'd, you know, I'd love to chat to you at the end. Perhaps it's working out how you can just invest in a community that represents the freedom of Jesus really, really well. And finally, perhaps today, you're, you're really not sure what you believe yet and you're here exploring faith. Maybe it's your first time here and you're, you're wondering who Jesus is. Maybe there's something in your past that makes you identify with the woman in the story and you wonder whether Jesus could show the same forgiveness and grace to you as he did to her. If that's you, I'd love to say Jesus invites you to come to him, to find freedom from the things that hold you and he invites you into an amazing journey of freedom he has for you.